This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. He climbed up about halfway up because there's a metal superstructure underneath it. Uh, he had a bunch of newspapers under his arm, lit them on fire, and then went down and watched it. But burn. don't worry. Don't worry, do not be deterred. We will not be. We're going to rebuild it. We're going to rebuild it and we're going to build it back better. Sean Rima, 9 till 11. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. God, what a world, what a world. Seven minutes after nine on News Talk 550 KTSA FM 1071. I'm Sean. Hi. How are you? That was uh, the folks on Fox and Friends, I believe, talking about the All-American Christmas tree. It's the Fox News Christmas tree, which is right outside the studios. And in the middle of the night, some jackass, some jackass with a point to make, right? The point being that he's a jackass. As you heard, climbs up the tree and lights it on fire, man. Sets it on fire. So, and then uh, I guess they got him. He's he's been arrested. So he's you know. Uh, but you know, he, he probably did some right. Chris probably took some video with his phone to show his friends. Look how cool I am! I just burned down the Fox News Christmas tree. <laughs> he did stand there and watch. But I'm sure. Don't you think he recorded it? Probably. <coughs> Maybe he didn't think he needed to because the news team, uh, news folks would have been doing it for him. <laughs> yeah, always hit the cough button. Um, you know, it's just these are the times in which we live. These are very un- unimpressive times, if that makes sense, as far as just people in general. Uh, we go from one class act to another class act, and the, the phone lines are open uh, 210-599-5555. Matthew Dowd, who. It's kind of a bit of a lizard. Uh, he's, I think he's reptilian. Uh, he, he used to work for George Bush. Uh, he's run, He was running as a Democrat uh, for lieutenant governor here in Texas. And that right here, in a sense, it's not a big story. It's kind of a who cares, you know, because I don't sit and lie awake at night thinking about freaking Matthew Dowd. I couldn't care less about Matthew Dow. But the story is interesting because this is indicative of who the left are in this country right now. This is the reason he gives for dropping out. He dropped out yesterday of the race. And this is the reason he gives. A diverse field is now emerging in the Democratic primary for this office. I do not want to be the one who stands in the way of the greater diversity we need in politics. In other words, yeah, right. If you could only see the hand gesture that I am making right now. Because if you could see it, it'll make you go blind and give you hairy palms. A diverse field is now, I do not want to be the one who stands. Oh, sit down, you douchebag. He dropped out because he wasn't getting any numbers and nobody was contributing to his campaign. He was, what was he? He was tracking like one percent. He was, he was, he was tracking lower than Kamala Harris in California. It was like one percent, right? 
I have always strived to be a person of integrity by living the values I espouse. Uh, Us white male Christians need to step back and give others room to lead. Oh, shut your pie hole, man. What an ass. But the the point being, that's what's wrong with the Democrats right now, and liberal pukes in general, okay? Instead of just being honest and saying, well, you know, there's not really the support I, I thought I would have, so... It's better for me just to cut bait right now. You know, I'd respect him if he was honest. If he was just came out and said, you know, I'm not getting any numbers. I'm not getting any campaign funds. I'm not getting any contributions. Doesn't look good for me. So maybe I'll, I'll give it a shot down the road sometime. But see, the average liberal idiot these days, they cannot look in the mirror and do what we call an inventory, you know, and, and some, uh, some, uh, with some stuff that I got going on right now. Inventory, doing an inventory is when you look at yourself and you're honest about yourself, right? So instead of looking at himself honestly, he's got to make himself seem to be bigger than he is, even though his campaign was a rank failure. I do. I I must give up my campaign. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to sacrifice my campaign. Dude, you are so barfy. You have no freaking clue. For for somebody to come out and make that statement, he very obviously has not he does not have a clue just how completely barfy he is. And those are the wor- those are the most annoying people in the world. People who don't know how barfy they are, you know what I mean? He's probably writing this going, "Oh, people are going to think I'm so cool." This, this, people will think I'm so cool. How should I word this? Um, a diverse field is now emerging. Oh, that's so beautiful in the Democratic Party for this office. I do not want to be. I do not want to be the one who stands in the way of the greater diversity we need in politics. Oh, Jesus, that's beautiful. Sucking down a Lone Star, doing shots while he's writing that crap. In the back of his head, he knows people don't like me. People just don't like me. They didn't want to vote for me, you know, but it can't go out that way. Yeah. You know, it's like humble boasting. I can't stay. Virtue signaling and humble boasting. Oh, you see that all over the place on social media, right? I can't stand it. Oh, I hate it. Ah. I, I prefer to go on uh, on Facebook and say, you know what? I'm a schmuck and I don't do a damn thing for anybody. <laughs> God, you see it all over the place during Christmas time, right, Chris? Oh, God. Ooh. You know, celebrating the Christmas season by going out and giving saltines to homeless people, that's just me. That's just who I am. If I do have a, fi- if I do have a weakness, it's that I care too much. You ever hear that crap? If there's something wrong with me, if I have uh, a, a, a problem, it's that I love and I care people too much. <laughs> Meanwhile, they got their boobs out, you know what I mean? They're making duck lips with their boobs out. If I, if I have a weakness, it's that I care too much, and that's why I spent the entire night in my fishnets taking selfies and giving sandwiches to homeless people. Because I just care too much. It's my great failure. 
That's kind of how I reacted when I heard Matthew Dowd yesterday, this statement. <laughs> He's an H.J. Do you know what an H.J. is? I don't want to say it on the, on the radio. Work it out. H.J., I was making a hand signal here you can't see, talking about him, representing a certain kind of activity. That mom also will make you go blind. Okay, he's an H.J. Matthew, if you're listening, you're an H.J., okay? Well, and if you're so sanctimonious, why don't you shut up? <laughs> if that's really why you wanted to do it, then don't say anything. Right. Ugh. Ugh. Us white male Christians need to step back and give others room to lead. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say cisgender. Us cisgender white male Christians. Unless he's gay. Is he gay? I don't know. Maybe the dude's gay. Doesn't, I, don't, I don't care if he is. He's probably gay when he needs to be. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys. You know, a politician. Well, he's not really a Well, I guess he was a strategist for GW. Uh, he worked for ABC. Was it ABC? He worked, Did I not pronounce that word right? I never pronounced that word correctly. He worked for ABC, I think, for a while. Yes, Chris, I think so. Guys like that are who they need to be when they need to be it. You know what I mean? So if he's talking to, like, the LBGT crowd, Hi, I'm Matthew Dowd. Hi. Thought I'd swish on in here and talk to you folks. Rainbows. Then he's talking to a bunch of conservatives. You know, I was out plowing the field this morning when I slapped my wife on the ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you call a tool. Yeah, tool. <laughs> right. I God, I hope he's listening. God, I, I don't even know the guy. I hope he's God. I hope he's listening. If you know him, call him up and make sure he's listening today, dude. You're a douche. Okay, you're just you're such a douche. You so Jesus. Does anybody like you? He had to step aside. He didn't want to be the one standing in the way. You weren't standing in the way with 1%, man. Everybody else was standing in front of you, okay? Was it 1%, Don? Just 1%, right? Step aside, put aside. (laughs) I need to step aside. Dude, you weren't even in the room, man. Everybody else running for that officer down the hall, okay? You're, you're, you don't need to get out of the room. You don't need to get out of the way, man. It's like he's in an empty movie theater. It's like, oh, I, I'll sit way in the back because I, I want black people to be able to see the movie. And there's nobody in there, you know? God, you're a douche, dude. What do you think about Matthew Dowd and uh, sanctimoniously dropping out of the race? So black people and people of color, you know, you didn't want to, you want to heed the diversity. Two one zero or or or, or 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 get in the way of the diversity. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Hi, this is Trey Ware wishing you a Merry Christmas from everyone at News Talk five fifty KTSA and FM one zero seven one. And we're back twenty three minutes after nine. On a Wednesday, yes, hump day, happy hump day. Phone lines are open, 210-599-5555. Um, one of the things we've been talking about this morning, also, it is the 41st anniversary of the assassination of John Lennon. 
uh, and uh, a lot of folks are posting about it on online. And uh, uh, Don Morgan and played the audio of Howard Cosell and Frank Gifford uh, uh, announcing to the world in 1980 uh, that John Lennon had been shot. And you know the question is, well, where were you? You know when that happened. And I, first off, you know, I, well, I'll tell you, I was 13 years of age, and I, I really didn't even know who John Lennon was at 13. I'm, I'm being totally honest with you. I, uh, uh, I my brothers uh, played the Beatles music, played Beatles music constantly when I was growing up, so I knew Beatles music, but I didn't know much about them at the age of 13. And so I just remember seeing it on the news, and uh, or, you know they broke into every station. This is back when you only had thirteen channels, right? And every news station and every radio station was just playing John Lennon music and Beatles music, and they were talking about him, and they're running old footage of footage of him. And at the age of thirteen, that uh, and I was a young thirteen, because I you know my birthday's in October, so that that made me curious about the Beatles and about John Lennon. And that's when I started, uh, probably for the next 12 years, I listened to nothing else but the Beatles. I, I read a lot of books about John Lennon. I was fascinated by him. And, uh, you know, he, he was, in my opinion, a consummate artist. And one of the other things in my studies or reading about John Lennon over the years and watching, uh, you know, a lot of interviews and stuff, is that he was a very down-to-earth guy. Like, he didn't, he, he wasn't, he didn't have much of a celebrity air about him. And that was one thing that people would, would remark. They also said that he was incredibly funny. He was an extremely funny dude, and he was very down-to-earth, and he didn't talk down to people. He, he's kind of the opposite of what McCartney is. McCartney's kind of the, you know, is, is kind of the arrogant guy. Lennon really wasn't. And I always thought that was cool. That's something I tried to incorporate in my own life. And just his devotion to art, to his art, uh, I, I thought was uh, was truly impressive. And when he lived in New York, he was, you know, he's, I don't know if you've ever been to the city. I, I went uh, once to the city, and one of the things I wanted to see, obviously, was Strawberry Fields and the Dakota where he lived. And you, Strawberry Fields, you could walk through Central Park for, you know, hours, and finally you come across this tiny little garden with this mosaic that just simply says, imagine, at the beginning, or in the middle, rather, and you look up, and there's the Dakota. There's where he lives, you know, looming over the garden. So he would have been able to see that garden from from where he lived. And he was famous for, once he was in New York, he got back to New York around 1975, 1976, uh, he would just walk around, he and Yoko would just be walking around like normal people. People would come up to him and say, hey, how you doing? He'd say, hey, how you doing? He'd you know, give him an autograph. That's what's so chilling about the night he died, because he was ver- apparently very approachable. Like now, you know, celebrities, they walk around, they got nine security guys around him and stuff. Lennon, it was just he and his wife, and, and they had a little dog they would walk. And he, he would. If you wanted an autograph, he'd sign an autograph. He, he, was, you know, he was very appreciative of his fans. And the night he died, he had just come back from uh, the studio recording uh, some tracks you know, that ultimately would end up on Double Fantasy. And uh, uh, there's that chilling picture of Mark David Chapman in the background having John Lennon sign an autograph for him, and then he shot him. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating dude. And, and the thing is about getting to this stage of life, 
you know, I'm 54, you realize how young 40 is. <laughs> you know what I mean? 40 is young, man. It's just a, a horrible loss. He was a great musician, great a great songwriter. <coughs> and uh, as I mentioned yesterday, you know, George Harrison is thought to be the great guitarist of the Beatles, and certainly he is. But John Lennon could come up with some really cool stuff on the guitar, too. Uh, but uh, just uh, one of my artistic heroes. And I, I know what people say, like, ah, but he was... He he was so liberal, and he was a communist, and imagines a communist song, blah, blah, blah. What a lot of people don't realize about John Lennon is that once he got a little older and he got into New York and he started dealing with the taxes, John Lennon actually went conservative. He was pretty conservative the last five years of his life. He loved the free market system. It just wasn't advertised. He didn't put it out there a lot. But people close to him uh, knew that he had had this kind of this ideological change once he had to start paying out the nose these taxes in New York City. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Very quickly, here's Joseph. How you doing, Joseph? Hey, Sean. Hey. I remember. Um, I remember exactly where I was at on that day. Well, tell me real quick. We don't have a lot of time. Duty. I was uh, assigned to Fort Bliss, the Air Defense Command. Mm. Oh wow! And I was just about to enter the post. And that's when the, uh, they played a song, and the DJ, he gave the news that morning mm. that he had been shot hours earlier. Wow. Yeah, and I remember it affecting the whole day. I bet it did, man. Hey, thank you for your service. Okay. I'm just I'm out of time now. Uh And we're back. News Talk 550 KTSA FM 1071. I'm Sean. If you have any thoughts on John Lennon or the Beatles in general, give us a call, 210-599-5555. The only thing I will say is that he was naked way too much. I mean, that's the only thing. Now, these days, everybody's freaking naked, right? You can't pay people to keep their damn clothes on now. But John Lennon and Yoko were naked far too much. Far too much. First, they had the two virgins cover. Right. With the junk you, hanging you out got there, the full Monty on that one. She looks like like a Siberian Sasquatch. She looks like something that you know you'd you'd want to see in Ripley's. Believe it or not, just just doesn't even look human. And then he's just got the junk hanging out there, and it's like, oh, dude, it's. And then later, even in the in the in the late seventies, early they did the uh, the famous picture with him naked. Snuggled up next to Yoko. Oh, the Annie Leibovitz picture. Yeah, I just happened. It was right before he died. Right before he died, and I just happened to see that on scrolling through my Facebook news feed. It's like, dude, freckles. Oh, (laughs) way too many freckles. Well, you know, of the two, I think that one probably had some artistic merit. Where the other one was just the two of them being weird. Just being weirdos. This is us naked, naked before the world. Yeah, we know, John. Did you put on a diaper? Or something. I don't know why I just downshifted into a Scottish accent there. No idea. Close uh, enough, I guess. Well, and I, you know, I, God bless you. If you can be naked in public and people like to look at you naked, well, that's great. But people are just too, are naked way too much now. Mm-hmm. I'm having some body issue. Oh, I'm, I'm going to fold this into a story I have here. But, like, one of the reasons I've been doing a lot of videos is because I'm, I'm, I'm fat. I, I've just gotten so freaking fat mm-hmm. since lockdown. I weighed myself the other day. And I'm at like 249. <laughs> and it's all gut, man. It's all gut and neck. 
Well, you know, right. you, you're on the level. Your bubble's in the middle. <laughs> I, I do have a center of balance. It's just <laughs> it's just a little farther down than it used to be. Yeah, I'm getting close and requiring a like a like a like a uh, uh, what do you call it? A, oh, I just went blank. Well, most importantly, a harness of some kind. Or... What is your plan? I mean, what are you going to do? To plan. Keep, what, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> what is to, this plan to of keep that speak? from getting worse? Well, I got to start exercising and I got to start eating better. I just let myself go on lockdown big time. Mm-hmm. And well, so you know, most, a lot of us did. Oh, you know? I, mean, I, I can speak for myself. I did the same thing. I know after when I had COVID, right. I had no energy to do anything for about six, seven months. <laughs> I bet months, you did. You, you know? actually so, had it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was tough to, it's been tough to get back into this, you know, the routine I had prior to all of that sure. has been difficult. Because so. you work out. You like to go work out and stuff. Me, I could set a wet bar on my stomach. Well, I, I think ever since they took away your car battery, you took that as a life, as a sign to just go back. Yeah. To hey, life I'm fine. Time. You know, you're right. Born free. I'm fine. I'm a freaking Viking. I probably put on 10 pounds since they took the battery off. Oh, see, that's bad. Now, I thought you would go the other way. I thought you would take that as a sign that you needed to make some changes. It's me. And not increase your bad behavior. <laughs> Well, you know, one thing you could do, and right, I'm just right, right. put I'm just putting this as a right. friend, I'm not picking on you. Oh, I know. I'm not mocking you, but perhaps not going to the convenience stores as often as you do. Maybe. Because what happens when you go there? What sometimes do you buy? I get a hot dog. Yeah, but sometimes that leads to two. And <laughs> No, I actually don't eat I don't know. The food's been I, I ate a lot of junk over the over the over Thanksgiving. Right. But well, we all did that. Because there's a lot that. of junk lying and around. You took a day off for it. I took a day No, well, yeah. Yeah. Paid the price. I did pay the price with the divers there. Right. I do have a reason why I'm bringing up my fat ass on the air, and it has to do with Rebel Wilson's fat ass. Because this is. Remember when? No, but she doesn't. She's not. She's not. I know. That's yet. the point. Remember when uh, during the Obama administration uh, there was an obsession about obesity, mm-hmm. right? Because it really is unhealthy to be overweight. Like where I'm at right now, it's not healthy for me. I need to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And remember, it was an obsession. Michelle Obama was taking over the school lunches for yeah. to combat childhood obesity. Right, no more chocolate milk. Oh, ob- ob- right. Obesity was seen as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And now we've traveled to this weird place where, well, if you're 500 pounds, good. If that's who you are, hey, fat is beautiful. You know, whatever. It, you don't want to body shame anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So Rebel Wilson, who I think is funny as crap, she really she's is. She's funny as hell, man. Uh, and she, uh, bridesmaids, oh, she was, it says small part, but God, she was brilliant in that movie. She, uh, you know, has, has been kind of a hefty girl, you know? Right. Uh, and she, she went on what she called a year of health where she ate differently. She exercised. She did all that stuff. You're supposed, cause she said, I felt like crap mm-hmm. being as heavy as I was. So she goes on a year of health, and this is what she says. I got a lot of pushback from my own team here in Hollywood when I said, okay, I'm going to do, do this year of health. I feel like I'm really going to physically transform and change my life. And they're like, why? Why do you want to do that? Because I was earning millions of dollars being the funny fat girl, and they wanted that part, that to continue. And so she was getting flack from her own people for losing weight. Because in this, you know, no body shaming culture of ours, mm-hmm. I guess th- that they figured that would be somehow insulting to the. I don't know. Right. But you know, good on her, man. 
well, she looks she great. Did, she did it for all the right reasons. Health, too. yeah, to be healthy. Because she, you know, because she said of herself, she made millions of dollars being the funny overweight girl. Right. Okay, that's what she's known for, and she took her whole career, put it at risk. Just to be healthy. Just to be healthy. It wasn't like she was trying to launch a whole new career as a no. swimsuit model or anything like that. <laughs> you know, although she could probably, you know, do very well at that. Yeah, but she's it, a very attractive lady. And even back then, I thought she was cute, and she yeah. and she still is. But she did it for all the right reasons. It wasn't for anybody else. Right. It was just for her. So and she would feel the, better. Right. And that's probably the reason we should all take better care of ourselves. Absolutely. You know, who who cares what anybody else thinks? Well, that's true. That's true. At my heaviest, I weighed 350 pounds. Right. 350 wow. pounds. Right. You know? And so basically from the time I was 25 until I was 37, 38 mm-hmm. and through there, I was just this large, round guy. You know? Right. And then one day I just got tired of it. And it wasn't because of the fat jokes or the fat shaming. or I just got tired of feeling tired and sick all the time. You well, know? You, you, you it's just, like anything else. You have to do it for yourself. Yeah. And, it, you know, and, and anything that good that followed afterwards was just a bonus. But I noticed I prolonged my health for that much longer. Right. You know? it, was, it brought in all these different habits that I didn't have before that were healthy right. for me. And, you know, just the moving around because... You know, I was a morning DJ for most of my adult life. I sat in a small room by myself, <laughs> you know, and you can't have anything really good for breakfast because right. you have to eat it fast. Right. So, you know, it's basically, oh, you don't have right. a, pop, a Pop-Tart or maybe a whole box of them since I'm sitting here doing or maybe nothing. a beer. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, what's I, that do? You know? Well, anyway, I got to run, but good on, her, good on Rebel Wilson. Yeah, for... and, and, and maybe that'll inspire you. Maybe and her, will. And even Adele. Who's oh, lost yeah. a lot of weight, you know, just just to make some lifestyle changes. Yep, so. I concur. Yeah. Gotta take a break. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five at Sean on News Talk five fifty KTSA. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk five fifty KTSA <laughs> and FM one oh seven one. News Talk five fifty KTSA. Chris, I was just talking about Oh, I just went blanking her name blanking her name already. Rebel Wilson. And how her own team wanted her to say the funny fat girl. And Chris was asking me, like, team? She had, what do you mean, like, like her entourage? Or like, no, team. In L.A., everybody has a team. In L.A., you have a team. You have agents, promotional people, a chef. <laughs> God, that goes wherever you go. A masseuse. Well, I'm probably pretty sure the chef was probably the most upset. Probably. But she had a team. When I was in L.A., I also had a team. See, I got you. Here I got you. And Elaine to book guests and stuff like that. But there you have a team. Several producers. I hated them all. I hated every single one of them. They never shut up. They never stopped asking me what was next. I'm in the midst, middle of a show. Like, What's, what are you doing next? What are you doing next? Shut up! Shut, I don't know what I'm doing next! We're at the top of the hour. What's next? I don't know. I hated my team. They wanted them all today. <laughs> I did. Actually, I'm still friends with one of them. One of the guys, my lead member of my team, is a guy I'm still friends with. But I hated them all. I hated working in L.A. I hated working in L.A. You hated your team. I hated my team. Yeah. What What were they trying to get you to do? This? Just everything. Just would never shut up about what What are we doing here? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? What's your motivation? What's your mo- you had to have a package for every single thing you were going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Where they, you know, they you want to talk about that? Okay, and then they bring you like this package of like 
you know, five or ten pages of crap about one topic. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then and then when you're doing the show, they're whispering in your. So what are we doing next? What are we doing next? What's coming up next? I'm like, I don't know. I'm thinking more about you than I am about the show. Man, do they even know you? <laughs> I think the best. Well, you know what? The best shows I did for L.A. were the first shows. Right. Before I got the team. Yeah. When I just did it the way I do do stuff, you know. Right. But once the team came into it, oh god, they drove me crazy. Yeah, that happens. Ugh. Blech. So Rebels team. Wanted her to stay fat. <laughs> That's not a very good team. No. I'd fire that team. <laughs> you ever notice something that when you do have a team, you never seem to win? That's <laughs> No, that's right. I do all right by myself. Yes. You bring that team in, right. man, screws me up. It really did, actually. It really did screw me up. What do they say about up. too many chefs? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> too many hands in the cookie jar. Yeah, well, it, it really was like that because I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I try to fly by the seat of my pants as most as possible. And you add two or three people who are obsessed with what are you going to do here? What's next? What's what's the punchline? They want to know what the punchline, the jokes were. And I'm like, I don't know until I tell the damn joke. <laughs> it drove me nuts, man. It was insane. Ooh. They just wouldn't leave me alone. If they would have just left me alone, I'd be making a million dollars in L.A. right now. Right. You should have been like, I have enough voices in my head as it is. I got it right. Yeah. I don't need yours as right. well. Yours is far less entertaining. I didn't like my team. So no L.A. No L.A. So what's next? Nowhere. Where are you going? Here. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. What's your out for this segment? <laughs> I don't have an out for this segment. Still yes. one more hour. What are you doing next? I don't know. I have the faintest idea, Chris. Yes, Sean, here is a package. I'll figure it out during the news. Here's a package for the first segment of next hour. No, that's right. You know what you can do with your package? Um, I have a feeling you're going to tell me. You can take that package and put it where the sun don't shine. You can't thread me with a good Like time. my dark soul. <laughs> I hated my team. All I did was screw me up. <laughs> all I did was screw me up, man. God. That's why they're all nuts out in L.A. That's really why they're all nuts. And they, they end up being just total morons because their team, the team does everything for you. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to think about stuff. Right. But me, I just can't roll that way, man. I hated my team. I wanted them all to die. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Take a break. I'm Sean Ryman on News Talk 550 KTSA. She is a thug, a murderer. Let's call him what he is. And what American companies want to do is they don't want to have any accountability, don't take any responsibility. They want to attack us for everything that happens in this country, but God forbid they might make less, little less money. Sean Rima, 9 till 11, News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. That was Rick Scott, News Talk 550 KTSA, FM 1071. I'm Sean. It's hour number two. And, uh... Yeah, we got a couple things. Let's, let's go COVID. I'm going to get COVID on you here for just a few minutes. <laughs> I didn't cough because I got the COVID. Okay, Omicron. Is it Omicron? Omicron? Who cares? It doesn't do anything to you, man. People don't even know they have it when they have it. It's the weakest form of COVID. Officials in South Africa are, are mystified as to why they're being cut off from the rest of the world. If you're even listening to ABC News, you just heard, like, ooh, boogie, 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 it's bad. It's the new Black Plague. 
The Americans are bracing for the Omicron, the Omicron. Uh, and we have a, a local school district now, uh, right, Don Morgan, that has instilled a, uh, brought back a mask mandate. Yeah. Fools. You dolts. You know, it, it, the, this is a funny story, okay? This is, uh, this, I, the masks, I've been saying almost since day one, don't do a damn thing. I, I mean, I, I, you know, not being a scientist or a medical professional, you know, I could tell the damn things don't do anything. Plus, you know, I paid attention very early on. And very early on, uh, not just Fauci, but a whole lot of other folks were saying, don't wear the masks, don't encourage people to wear the masks, because it encourages them to touch their face. Very early on, oh, the bandanas don't work, the neck socks, whatever the hell are... What are those things called, Chris? The thing... Right, that thing, whatever you said. Okay. You know, the, the the things you put around your neck and pull it up to your face. Gators. Gators. They don't work. Um, I knew the mask didn't work. I've been saying it since day one because I'd put the damn thing on and my glasses would steam up. Uh, and now we got an additional, because of the Omicron, the fear over that, we got a new uh, a mask mandate for kids in a local school. And we had this guy out in Minnesota. He's a public health official by the name of... Uh, Nick Kelly, Bloomington Public Health Administrator. He advises several school districts out there on COVID-19 policies. Uh, and uh, he's big on the mask. He's in, in August, he told parents during some kind of damn webinar that they should get the kid vaxxed and that making them wear masks in the classroom is the next this is from the Fox News story is the next best practice for mitigating the spread of the virus so next to the vaccines the masks are best a few weeks after that he's telling uh, his own his own staff and somebody is making a recording of this meeting in a private meeting that the that masking is among the least effective mitigation techniques and the Minnesota think tank American Experiment Reveal got a copy of these recordings. Quote, in terms of purely broad effectiveness, the least effective mitigation we're implementing is this process of masking. Masks are incredibly effective in a healthcare setting when you're wearing certain kinds of issued gear and things of that nature. But at an elementary school level, I know from dropping my kids off, I see kids wearing dirty old masks, cloth masks that look like they don't fit, and I have half an inch gap under their chin. It's a high-quality mask to the equivalent of respirators and blah, blah, blah. There's a wide gamut, he said. I'm not sure that's the word to use. Okay. I, the masks don't work. Okay, two things. Omicron is the least potent of the COVID. It's like sort of having a cold if you have any symptoms at all. As David Van Camp said on Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins a, a few days ago, this is the COVID you want. This is how these things are supposed to evolve. They're supposed to get weaker and weaker and weaker. And yet if you're watching the news or listening to the news out of ABC or CBS or NBC or you're watching CNN or MSNBC, 
even as we speak right now, on MSNBC, coronavirus pandemic. One of first Omicron cases identified in fully vaccinated and boosted man. So freaking what? Dude didn't even know he was sick. I'm telling you, they're setting up another cheat. This is what this is about. They're setting up another cheat. There is absolutely no reason other than he's a jerk for de Blasio to have did what he did in New York uh, on Monday. He's out of office in a few. On New Year's Eve, he's out of office. And all private sector employees must, uh, uh, must be vaccinated. All kids from the age of five and up must be vaccinated to go indoors. It's madness. This is political, baby. This ain't got nothing to do with the virus. This is political. This is about cheating the midterms. That is precisely what this is about. You know, and, uh, and uh, they, they, you know, they pulled it off once. That doesn't mean they could pull it off again. But you know what? Damn, They're damn sure going to try. Because their agenda sucks and people don't like them. So, you know, <laughs> I just, I get so sick. Driving into work and on ABC, I got to sit and listen to this crap about Omicron. We have our first confirmed case. <laughs> Who cares? It's not making people sick. 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. If you have any thoughts on that, give me a call. Uh, yeah, you look at MSNBC right now. They're they're reporting on Omicron as if it's just it's the new black plague. It's going to sweep the nation. Thousands, millions of people are going to die. Are just going to fall over dead. And it's not. It's just not a. Who was this kid that was? Uh, his mom didn't want him to get. I should look this up. His mom didn't want him to get vaccinated because he's got some health issues that make it getting vaccinated not a good thing for him. I think it was a middle schooler, and the and the school came to him and offered him freaking pizza if he if they, if he let them vaccinate them, and then they told him not to tell his parents. It was California, and he told her, <laughs> so she's going to sue the crap out of that school, man. It's madness. It's all freaking madness. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Oh, I know this may shock you, and you may be incredibly disappointed as a result of this. But apparently, Harper Collins has dropped Chris Cuomo's book. They're not going to publish his book because apparently he sucks. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. He sucks and he's a creep. Uh, when we get back, we'll talk about some more musical music stuff. Um, it's Jim Morrison's birthday, uh, and I man, I wonder what he would be doing now. I wonder what Jim Mor- Jim freaking Morrison would be doing now if he was still alive. Uh, we'll talk about him uh, uh, coming up because the Doors played a huge part of my youth, uh, my my young adulthood, as it were, and uh, just a huge Doors fan. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk five fifty KTSA and FM one zero seven one. And we're back. News Talk five fifty KTSA FM one zero seven one. Biden is actually speaking to the press outside. Are we able to go to that? Oh, oh, so oh, oh it's a, it's a, they taped it. Of course they did. 
God, he looks like an old fart, doesn't he? he? Well, you know why he looks like an old fart? Because he's an old fart. He just looks old and tired, man. 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. Rudy J is joining me in the studio for his morning visit. He's uh, over there with Rob Thompson down the hall at ESPN, the sports star, doing their morning show from 7 to 10, Monday through Friday. How are you, man? Lovely. What's up, man? Another day in paradise. Yeah. And you guys are going to New York. Yeah, man. Um, it'll be my first time. Jason and Rob have done it for a while, but right. we'll be covering the uh, Army-Navy game. But it's uh, different this year because of the 20-year anniversary of 9 not anniversary, but Right, nine eleven. Yeah, nine yeah. eleven. Yeah, twenty years since then. So wow, it's normally in Philly, but since it's the twenty year nine eleven, it's um in New York. You got to go to Ground Zero. Yeah, I have to. I've I've never I know I've it's not be, been. I know it's going to be a madhouse because it's twenty years. Right, but I have to go. I've never been. It'll be my first time in New York. I've never been to New York. I've only been to the city once, and this was in the early nineties. I think it was like nineteen eighty nine or nineteen ninety. I spent a couple of weeks out in the city. Yeah, and uh, it'll take your breath away. I mean, it's it's it's. Uh, what what got me about New York is you the build you're you're surrounded by concretes and structures, yeah. Right, like, you look up, you just see a little ribbon of light. You can't between really the see building. anything, right? <laughs> right. The building, like, <clears throat> you look up, is like it give you vertigo. But there, but people are on the streets twenty four freaking hours a day, like all day. Uh, it it really is a city that never sleeps. Every so you're gonna see somebody walking at some time. Yeah, this is like oh, the wow. streets are full. Uh, uh, constantly. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it, man. Again, Lee tomorrow morning, never been to New York. Right. Especially cool now you with the Army-Navy, 122nd okay. year of that. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm excited, not going to lie. You got to get a dirty finger water hot Yeah, dog. I'm looking for, I need, a, I need a dog. I need, I think in New York they call it pie, but it's pizza. Pizza, yeah, yeah pie. Need, you got to get some pizza. pie. But oh, you no. got you got to get a dirty finger water hot dog. You know what that is? That's the one of the cart hot dogs, which yeah, the is, cart hot bobs dogs. around on that bilge. Yeah, it's that a, water. It's a sabret. All beef. well, that's a company. Yeah, that's a company. I think it does yeah, the hot it's, dogs. It's but all beef it got a good little snap to it. But any of the hot dog carts are going to be good. Them? Oh yeah, hell yeah. Heck yeah, man! I'm looking forward to it. What yeah. do you got going this weekend? <laughs> well, I'm not going to New York. <laughs> I well, not because now I'm thinking about New York when I was there in the city. Now I'm thinking about it when I was because I was there for about two weeks. Oh wow! When yeah, I was I young, was going for three days. You went for two weeks. I uh, I know this may shock you, but I. In my twenties, used to smoke marijuana and I would not have believed drink a great deal of alcohol. I would not have believed that. I know it's shocking. And one, I went to one place called Bamboo Bernies. I'm sure it's not there anymore. Bamboo Bernies. That sounds like one of those clubs where you don't know. It's not seen on the road. You have to like knock three times <laughs> and know the password. I've actually been to a couple of those in really? Baltimore. In Baltimore, but Bamboo Bernies, all, all they did was serve. It was still a crummy little bar, but all they did was serve uh, tropical drinks, like out of you know those big machines. Oh yeah. So they had something called a flaming volcano, dude, which was meant to be a drink for two people. And you were it was a big down. bowl, like like you can like see my hands, bowl. like a fish bowl, and a little flame in the middle, and it came with two straws, and I drank. Eight of those by myself. Eight? And they gave me a T-shirt because I had drank the most bamboo burnies well, by myself. Flaming Volcanoes by myself, and I got a T-shirt. A T-shirt. I had that, that T-shirt for years. Well, the thing about it in New York, I guess you're taking a cab or walking, so they don't really care. Or the subway. Yeah. Or the well, subway. A, lot of people don't, a lot of people don't even own cars. 
Then why would in you New have York. a car in New York? Yeah, because it's kind of more more of a pain in the ass. Yeah, I've heard of, I've heard the subway is sketchy. I'm worried about getting on the subway. I rode the subway at two in the morning into Chinatown. Chinatown. Oh, you know you told me that I story. Did. And you were like, dude, what were you thinking? Well, again, I was stoned and drunk. So I had no fear, <laughs> but I should have, yeah, because I could have died. But <laughs> we all could have died, but it was, you know. Hey man, you're in your twenties, living life. Yeah, Good I was. Time. Well, I hope you have a great time. I man. do too, man. Thank you very much. I'll see you what Monday. Monday, we'll see you when you get back, Monday. and I hope to I'll get one of those hot dogs. I got you. Maybe I can. Um, I don't know. FedEx, you want? Can you what? FedEx, FedEx made a hot dog. dog. I can't eat no hot dogs anymore. Oh, yeah, you so can only eat broth. you got to enjoy it for me, broth man. and water. And porridge. Yeah. Rudy J. Appreciate y'all. <laughs> Thank you. Have a later, good trip, later, man. Later. Safe travels. From the Sports Star, ESPN, Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 with Rob Thompson. Yeah, I love New York, but I, you could not pay me enough money to live in that city. You could not pay me enough money to live in that. Well, first off, I'm... You know, I'm married to a West Side girl, so I'm never leaving San Antonio. I'm, you know, which is fine with me. I love San Antonio. But I, man, I mean, I, I, after two weeks, I was exhausted of being in the city. I found it exhausting. Because there's always people on the streets. There's always people on the streets. There's, there's, ne- there's never really, in a sense, a quiet time. Now, Central Park is different. Central Park is very peaceful at certain parts of it. But New York's a big, weird place, man. And I sure as hell wouldn't want to be there now. Holy crap, with this you know slash and burn vaccine policy that de Blasio's leaving as his legacy there. Every private employee has to be vaccinated, right? And they got to be fully vaccinated. So what is that, like three shots now at this point? He also mandated... Uh, I'm thinking about New York, so I'm talking about like this. Forget, forget about it. Go home and get your friggin' shine box. Bring me a piece of pie. Uh, and he's also mandating the kids, right, from uh, five and up have to be vaccinated or they can't go anywhere indoors. So I guess you just leave the little boogers out in the snow, huh? And uh, I don't watch The View because I think it makes you stupid. I think watching The View on a regular basis will give you the stoop. Like, your intelligence level will actually go down a few notches. But, man, they want the whole damn state to be mandated like that. They want the entire New They want all of New York. In fact, if they could have the entire country have such mandates, they would. And they say Republicans are want people to die because they don't want vaccine mandates. And yet they fail to look at the example of what? Florida. No mandates. No masking, and they have the the lowest COVID numbers in the country, second only by, I think, Texas. But again, it's not really about the COVID, is it? It's about politics. It's about cheating elections. It's exactly what it is. It's about cheating elections. They are setting up their play for the the midterms because they know people hate their stinking guts. They know that people hate their agenda and they hate their stinking guts, so baby, they gotta cheat the hell out of this one. And long comes Omicron and gives them a, a ripe opportunity to put the fix in again. So we'll see if it works or it doesn't work. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Always hit the cough button. 
It's very unprofessional not to do that. And we're back. News Talk 550 KTSA FM 1071. I'm Sean. Phone lines are open. 210-599-5555. Man, that audio gives me the creeps with Cosell and Frank Gifford. Ooh. Talking about Lennon being shot. How do we handle it on the air? And uh, it's also, and I, I never, I guess I never really put two and two together, but it's also Jim Morrison's birthday. Right. So John Lennon died on Jim Morrison's birthday. Mm-hmm. Whoa. I was a huge Jim. I was a huge Doors fan. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah, I, 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 I I'm talking about it again because, well, I'm kind of bored of the news and <laughs> nothing else going on. Yeah, you know, we're just waiting for the very end of the week to pop up. That's so right. In the that's meantime, right. we're going to talk about Jim Morrison and John Lennon, I guess. Well, why not? You know, <laughs> yeah. people. The news is so grim half the time. You got to dice it up here and there with some, you know, lighter stuff. And I think the last time we brought up the doors, I, I did say that I was so into them that I'd wear tight black jeans. Right. And f- white flowing shirts. Grew my hair down to my shoulders and I would brood. Yeah. Just brood. But, uh, you know, they, I, I but thought of, they did some great music. That first record, uh, that they put out, they, I think they recorded that whole thing in like a week. It didn't take them long at all. And then uh, the second one, I think, was called Strange Days, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And that was my favorite. I thought that was a great record. And just a great coming together of uh, musicians. I, You know, I, Morrison didn't really play anything, and he had sort of this... He wrote amazing lyrics. I mean, there's, sometimes yeah. they're a little dense. You're like, yeah. what, writing what snake, Jim? You know, what snake yeah. am I writing here? What does that mean? Where's the snake, Jim? You know, very dense stuff, but he was extremely literate, so it was very literate stuff, and he would make arcane literature, literal and, and historical references in the songs because he read constantly. Mm-hmm. And you had to have the other three guys be as good as musicians as they were just to back him. Yeah. Because you never knew what he was going to do. Right. You know, he was not... A, he didn't get into that as a singer. He was just going to write lyrics, basically. Right. With the, you know, they, he had some poems, and they were going to put music right. behind it. But, but um, you know, they got him to sing. And uh, he had this. The funny thing is, is he had a great crooning voice. You know, well, it was very was, romantic yeah. in a way. You know? He did, and his basic singing until he started shrieking. Right. Was very croony and he, you yeah. know, and loungy. And he said, "I, I was listening to guys like Tony, you know, uh, Frank Sinatra and, and those guys, Dean Martin." Guys, yeah. And so when he asked me to start singing, that's what he did. That's the only reference point I had. He, that's what. That's what I thought was so cool about the Doors. Right. Is that it was some of the trippiest crap you're ever going to hear. Yeah, and he sounds like he's coming on to you the whole time. He he's... Sounds, yeah. <laughs> carry me, caravan, take me away, take me to Portugal. I mean, he's, he did. He's like he should have a cigarette in his mouth yeah. with a tuxedo going. I mean, you listen to like the song "Touch Me." You know, I mean that's. <laughs> Oh, he's, yeah. just, he's just crooning that one. Well, he know? wanted to touch you, too. Yeah, he did. Come on, come on, come on, now touch me, baby. Can't you see? I used to sing a lot of this at karaoke. Yeah. I just can't anymore. What about Love Street? Did you like that one? I think she was, lives yeah. on Love Street, lingers long on Love Street. I love that song. It's a great one. I lo- yeah, Love Street. Moon. Uh, what, Chris? What did I do sing? Uh, Moonlight Drive is a great tune. Uh, now we're just thinking about old door songs. <laughs> I'm a spy in the house of love. Charles, what do you want? Charles! 
Hey, man. What do you want, man? <laughs> what I want. I, I, you ask what Jim Morrison would be doing today. Yeah, I wonder what he would be doing. He probably would have gone to rehab. Probably, he hopefully would have had some grandchildren. He would have been enjoying them, just like what Ozzy Osbourne's doing now. You know. So you think he would have been, just, probably would have, hopefully would have, he would have been a cool old guy. Yeah, and he'd probably be enjoying his money. And it's, it's unfortunate that his father-in-law got the majority of his wealth. That's you what know, I that, heard. Right? That's what I read somewhere. Yes, his father-in-law, because his, his wife died three years later. So right. his father-in-law became a very wealthy man because of him. And I imagine the rest of the family got is still getting the royalties from everything that they sell. He was actually quite estranged from his own family. His father was a Navy guy, a Navy officer of some regard, and they moved around a lot. And his his father, I guess, was a kind of a disciplinarian or something of that nature. Right. Yeah, and they never and he, rebellious. yeah, and when yeah. he when the when the door and I appreciate the comment when the doors hit, he actually stopped having any contact with his family whatsoever. He told people that his 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 dad was dead. That's right. Yeah. But you know, I, I, it's funny you bring his his family up because it was probably a two or three years ago I found these interviews on YouTube with Jim Morrison's dad. Right. Um, a very, a very handsome retired Navy officer. Right. Um, and had. Nothing but wonderful things mm. to say about his son, and was you know you got the impression that in spite of the fact that his lifestyle was completely different from the right. one his son chose, he admired the fact that his son walked his own path and followed the beat of his own drummer, and that he said something along the lines of he was someone that you would like to know. That's you such know? a shame, though. You know yeah. what I mean when you yeah. hear stuff like that, because yeah. then you wonder what the hell happened with Morrison. You know. Yeah, you get a one at times. I used, you know when I heard about that. I thought, well, it's you know, it's just it gives them that extra edge because you know how poets are. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah, you know, I know how you all are. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever puts you over. You know, and, and so, well, I, it, and on his level, he had to come up with something where it's like, yeah, I had, I had a picnic with my mom and dad on Sunday. That's not going to fly, right? You know, I mean, so he had to come up with something outrageous. That's kind of what I always got the feeling too, because he. Yeah. Like he also made stuff up. Like he said, there was a car wreck, and oh, the natives, the, and, the, yeah. the spirit leapt into his soul, and yeah, yeah. And I think he really just wanted to be disconnected from anything other than what was going on at that time, right? You know, yeah, I he, mean, he didn't want people to know he was a navy brat, basically, yeah. growing up in he California. Was pretty much an average kid growing up. Nothing know? special, really, about him. Right, he created this whole mystique. Uh, you know. Because really, when you look back, we don't have a whole lot of footage of of him no you know sharing what was on his mind we just have these recordings and these images of him right um just this very handsome charismatic guy you know right you couldn't find a better looking front guy to front your band than this guy you know and and what i admired about him too because that when i got into the doors was the early days of me really starting to take the whole poetry thing seriously yeah my poetry sucked but i was thinking i was really into it and how they would do things that were very akin to a poetry reading and that he you know you figure and like when the music's over you know he basically just goes into a poetry Mm -hmm. and spoken word stuff and they're just keeping up with him behind him yeah and i always found that fascinating you know i just think well he's combining poetry and music isn't there have an album of that doesn't even uh yeah it's called american prayer yeah uh which is really cool to listen to it's got that um uh what they they use in the movie which became very well known the film uh where he's the movie will begin in five moments. You know, yeah. blah blah blah. Did you have a good world before you died enough to make base a movie on? 
And it's just him reading poetry, reading his poetry. Yeah, with some music in the background. With, some, with the guys playing yeah. music. They actually put it out, they put it together years after he died. Yeah, I think it was in the se- late 70s. It might have, it, it, was a, it was a while after he yeah. died. And they just got together, the three of them got together mm-hmm. and recorded and just played the tapes and recorded this music. And it's a great recording. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun to listen to. Because it's just him reading his poetry. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing you need to go jogging to. No. But, uh, <laughs> it's nothing you want to play on Easter morning. Yeah, you, you want know? to, you know, operate heavy equipment while you're listening to that. If so. you're on a bummer, it's probably not the stuff to listen to. <laughs> Make you jump off the bridge. Yeah. But it's just a fascinating character. I'm I'm gonna have to try to find the the, the interview with his father. I'd I love to see that. I think you get a real a, a whole new appreciation right. for for him when you see how at the end of it all how his father felt right. about him. You know, Kinky and Dylan, his buddy Dylan, met him once and just said he was a weird dude. No, I bet he was. <laughs> just a, we met him at some parties. Like he's just a weird dude. Yeah. All right, two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Elvis, hang on. We'll talk to you when we get back. It's Sean on News Talk five fifty KTSa. This is Jack Riccardi wishing you a Merry Christmas from everyone at News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. And we're back. News Talk 550 KTSA, FM 1071. I'm Sean. Hi. How are you? Hi, Chris. You having a fun time? You having fun, Chris? Here's Elvis. Elvis, how you doing? Outstanding, Sean, but his father was not just some Navy dude. His father was the CEO of the USS Enterprise during the opening to uh, mid part of the Vietnam War. Oh, really? On the first nuclear aircraft carrier. I did not know that. So even his father was a little bit weird. But uh, <laughs> being in charge of all that, uh, I mean, that was just, you know, a huge responsibility. Sure. And uh, I got hold of that book in the early parts of my uh, uh, Navy career. And read that in about four and a half hours, and I was, you know, I was which book is this? That was uh, No One Gets Out of Here Alive. Oh, 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 the biography of, of Jim Morrison. Yeah, yeah I read that right. years ago too. There's been several others that have come out since that are not bad. Um, yeah, I used to read. I used to love reading biographies. I still do. I, I love reading biographies because I feel a biography is a. Every single one of us has a story, right? <laughs> you know, and and every single Absolutely. one of us has uh, has. Uh, uh, life experiences that are that are uh, you know are the real teachers in life. So I love reading biographies about people I admire. Right, and then for me to uh, actually serve on board the Enterprise, oh wow, through uh, a world cruise, we went uh, 89, 1990 on a world cruise when she uh, changed home ports from the West Coast to the East Coast, and it was just you know the awesomeness of the carriers. Just cannot be uh, uh, right. understated. It's just fantastic. It's like a floating city. It is about five thousand people. Good lord! Yeah, I uh, I went out overnight with my uh, on my with my brother. He was on an LST, the USS Lamore and uh, uh, Lamore County, I think it was called. Lamore County. Yep. Yeah, that was Large my brother's ship. Moving target. Yeah, that was my brother's. Right, your tool was like a transport ship, you know. But we yeah. were out. My dad and I were on the boat with him. We got to spend the night. And, a, and a, a, a carrier went by. And the only thing I can equate that to is, like, in Star Wars, when the big Imperial uh, ships would go overhead or by you, you realize just how huge they are. And this LST was just a dinky little canoe compared to this aircraft carrier. I've never seen Absolutely. anything that large in motion in my life. Wow. Yeah, well, man, thank uh, you for your service, and thanks for calling. Fantastic. 
Yes, sir. You have a good day. All right, you too, man. Yeah, you, you, until you've seen a, an aircraft carrier. Like, we go down to the Corpus, and that, there's the, the one down there. Which one is that? What's that one called? The Lexington. But when you see one actually moving, whoo, uh, they're big honking boats. That's how we see it there back on the East Coast, boats. That there's a big boat. You need about three miles of crab line to get you some jimmies there. 210-599-5555, 210-599-5555. Kyle Rittenhouse says, blank you to LeBron James. You know, good on him, man. LeBron James is a jerk. I know this story's a few days old. But famously, LeBron James, who I think is a jackass, had uh, made fun of Kyle Rittenhouse when he was on the stand, and he was talking about that night, and he started started to get emotional. And so Kyle Kyle Rittenhouse is uh, is on, and he's going to be a rich young man at some point. He's going to be a very wealthy young man. Uh, and so he's doing a, an interview somewhere. <laughs> he says, says, I can't say it, but he says, blank you, LeBron. Because remember how LeBron was crying his eyes out when he got a cramp? And there's one more Kyle Rittenhouse story here uh, in that a middle school, let me see, in Massachusetts, a middle school in Massachusetts, there's, I mean, this this verdict came out like a week ago, right? It's been at least a week. A middle school in Massachusetts is going to be offering racially segregated safe spaces for students to process the Rittenhouse and Arbery verdicts. Bigelow Middle School in Newton, Massachusetts. Uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse conclusions conclusion will likely be seen as yet another unfair reality for many Bigelow families, staff, and students particularly our community members of color. This is a letter sent out by Principal Chastity Costin. While the Amhud Arbery conclusions may be seen as a glimpse of hope and justice, they're offering three sessions, a forum for discussion with peers, a case information session, and a separate, quote, questions and discussions for students of color. As far as I can tell, Whitey is not allowed. You know, I, I am. I, I got to be honest with you, and I, I know there's a lot of teachers that listen to this show, and I know that uh, you know, most of you are hardworking, sane individuals. Okay, but holy Jesus, I'm glad I don't have a kid in, in school right now in public school. It was getting bad enough when my kid was in elementary, middle, and high school. I am so glad. I am thankful I do not have a kid. In the public school system right now. That doesn't mean that someday I won't have grandchildren, and by then it'll be even worse. By then we'll just be a freaking communist nation. But <laughs> what, what town was it in again? Bigelow, Massachusetts. Big, uh, Bigelow, Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> Why? What, you know that well, place? Yeah, I mean, it's like 80% white or something like Is that. Is it really? So, yeah. Well, then those are going to be some small peer sessions, then, aren't they? These, you don't need. I guess you're going to need just a few. You're not going to need a whole big, a whole lot of safe spaces. Because as far as I can tell from this article, man, the honkies ain't invited. 
question and discussion for students of color. Why don't they realize how stinking racist this crap is? Because they don't care. Thank you, Chris. Thanks to Elaine Rodriguez, our executive producer, Rudy J. From ESPN, Don Morgan, and my good brother, Trey Ware. Spread the love. Don't be a jerk. We'll see you guys tomorrow at 7 on News Talk 550 KTSA. Bye.